Well, again, welcome to Big Valley Grace Community Church here in the Worship Center. Welcome to everybody who is with us in the cafe, as well as those who are in the venue and those who are watching online. What a great day to come together to worship Jesus Christ, to exalt Christ, to exalt Christ above us, to exalt Christ above all, and to worship him as Lord and King. And I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who served at Love Modesto yesterday, or Love Riverbank, or Love whatever city you're in. What a great showing, and just awesome, awesome, awesome. And what an opportunity. Every day is an opportunity to love your town, to love your city, the people in your city, because Jesus loves the people in your city. And today's a fresh day. Love Modesto was yesterday, but you can still love those that you come into contact with today and tomorrow and and the rest of this year as well. So what what an opportunity to show the love of Christ. Well, again, uh, please take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21. You'll find the full text in the printed notes that you were handed on the way in, as well as the outline there if you're watching online. The resources are available there on the website as well. If you do not yet own a copy of the Scriptures, we would like to give one to you as a gift today. Just come to the altar room here in the worship center right after the gathering in the venue. Go to the altar room right after the gathering, or if you're watching online, you can come down to the church office on Monday, and we'd be happy to put a copy of the Scriptures. We want you to have the Bible, your own copy, so that you can read it for yourself. And In fact, speaking of placing the Word of God into the hands of people. Uh, weeks ago, I shared that our two REACH pastors were going on mission, and one of the weeks they would be in Zambia, and they participated in, in celebrating the graduation of 308 pastors in Zambia, and, which is absolutely awesome. And each of those pastors received a study Bible, and those are the pictures of the study Bible. Those study Bibles were purchased by you as you bring your gifts and offerings to the Lord. They were used uh, to bring study Bibles and give a gift to those pastors. And so you are being a blessing to get the word of God out, not only in your own town, but in Zambia and beyond in the world. And so as you give a gift to the Lord, just like Pastor Lonnie was talking about, may you be encouraged in how God is going to use that gift really for his glory. Well, we're going to come to our text now in Matthew chapter 21. We'll look at verses 1 through 11 and then 14 through 17. It says, when they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village opposite you, and immediately you will find tied a donkey tied there and a colt with her, untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them and brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them, and he, Jesus, sat on the coats. Most of the crowd spread their coats in the road, and others were cutting branches from trees and spreading them in the road, the crowds going ahead of him. And those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, Who is this? 
And the crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. And then down in verse 14. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he had done and the children who were shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they became indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read? Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise for yourself. Pray together. Father God, Lord, we thank you for this passage, the scripture, the word of God. And Lord, we're asking that through the holy word of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit that you would do a great work in each of us today. For those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ and are trusting in you for our salvation, God, may we be encouraged and equipped. May we be strengthened so that we might be mighty for you and for your glory. God, for those who are here today who have yet to place their faith in Jesus Christ, may a miracle take place today, a miraculous work take place today by the drawing of your Holy Spirit that they would come to faith in you and that they would place their faith in Jesus Christ and they would no longer trust in themselves or anyone else, but they would place their full hope and their trust and their belief in Jesus Christ for their salvation. And so God, we trust you to draw, we trust you to draw them to yourself. Lord, thank you for this opportunity. May you be honored and glorified in all that we do. We pray this in the name of Jesus and all God's family said. Amen. Amen. Now we're going to walk through this passage together in Matthew. We're going to walk through it verse by verse. And we're going to interject the Gospels of Mark and Luke chronologically in their accounts as well. So that we can see the full details and the full picture. We're not going to look at the Gospel of John today. Nine weeks ago. I taught through that passage with us as a church family, and you can go to our website. It's episode 27 of the Gospel of John, and you can see John's account as we looked at Palm Sunday or or the triumphal entry. Well, in Matthew 21, beginning in verses 1 and 2, it says, When they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately... You will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. Now there had been a very large crowd traveling alongside Jesus and his disciples that day. The city of Jerusalem would swell in population as people made their way to celebrate the Passover. And you can read about the original Passover in Exodus chapter 12, which was the nation of Israel's historic deliverance from the bondage of slavery to the nation of Egypt. It foreshadowed the Passover, which takes place five days after the scene we're looking at, where Jesus died on the cross, delivering all who would believe in him from the bondage of slavery to sin and death. And here we see that Jesus asks the disciples to go to the village opposite of their location, and he instructs them that both the mother donkey and the colt that they find there to be brought to him. The Gospel of Mark fills in another important detail in 11.2. It says, you will find a colt tied there on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. Here in the Gospel of Mark, we see that this colt has been preserved and prepared for this very moment, for holy service 
unto the Lord. And continuing on in Matthew 21, verse 3, it says, If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. Jesus foresees that there will be resistance to the disciples coming into a village to take a donkey and her colt. So Jesus prepares them for how to handle it by saying, the Lord has need of them. And Jesus knew that the owner of the donkey and the colt had a reverence for the Lord and that if given the insight that the Lord is who needed the donkey and the colt, that the owner would gladly offer the service of the donkey and the colt to the Lord. Do you see your own possessions as available for service unto the Lord whenever he needs them? That he would make sure that all of your needs are provided for as you give to him. Well, Jesus addresses this very issue in the account found in the Gospel of Mark. Mark eleven three it says, If anyone says to you why you're doing this, you say, The Lord has need of it, and immediately he will send it back here. God knows the owner of the donkey and the colt actually needed the donkey and the colt. And Jesus even indicates here that after the service of the donkey and the colt is complete, that they will be sent back to the owner. Even in the Lord's request, he is providing and making sure provisions are met. Our text continues in Matthew 21, verses 4 and 5. It says that this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold! Your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Jesus is fulfilling prophecy that was foretold hundreds of years prior through the prophets of Isaiah in 62.11 and Zechariah in 9.9. Jesus humbly riding on a beast of burden, a, a work animal, as the king prepared to suffer for the citizens of his kingdom. And we see how the disciples responded in Matthew 21, 6. It says, the disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them. They hear the instructions of Jesus and they obey. And Mark adds in eleven four that they went away and they found a colt tied at the door outside in the street, and they untied it. As the disciples obeyed, they found the colt just as Jesus had instructed. It goes on in Mark 11, verse 5, that some of the bystanders were saying to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And just as Jesus had prepared them, the disciples are questioned, and Luke records the response of the disciples in Luke 19, 34. They said, simply, the Lord has need of it. Mark describes it in this way in 11.6. They spoke to them just as Jesus had told them, and they gave them permission. We see the owners of the cult respond in obedience to the Lord's request in their life, that they were sure to receive a blessing for their obedience. That very cult, though the owners didn't know it, that very cult would carry the Son of God that day, though they knew it not at the time. What an example we have here of the obedience of the disciples to obey the instructions of Jesus and then also in the owners of the colt to provide the donkey and the colt in service to the Lord as he needed them. 
Matthew continues on that the disciples in verse 20, chapter 21, verse 7, that they brought the donkey and the colt and they laid their coats on them and he, Jesus, sat on the coats. So we have this picture here of a donkey with her colt beside and the coats of the disciples being laid across them and Jesus sitting on the coats on the colt. Now Luke explains another unique detail in Luke 19.35. says, they brought it to Jesus, they threw their coats on the colt, and they put Jesus on it. The disciples actually had the privilege of lifting up the Son of God and placing him on the colt. A picture of the reigning king. Just five days later, the Roman soldiers would lift up Jesus and they would place him on a cross. A picture of the suffering servant. And if you want to see and read some of the prophecy about the suffering servant who is Jesus, I would encourage you this week to look at Isaiah chapter 53. Matthew continues on to describe the seed that's unfolding here in Matthew 21, verse 8. It says, Most of the crowd spread their coats in the road, and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. So now others, besides the disciples, are now spreading their coats on the road, and still others are cutting branches from trees and covering the roads. Mark adds in 11:8, And others spread leafy branches, which they had cut from the fields. Well, what are they doing here? Well, in a sense, they're rolling out the red carpet for the conquering king. Yet they didn't have any red carpets, so they used their very own clothing to show honor and submission to the reigning ruler. They found branches with leaves and spread them out in reverence for Jesus. They were not going to miss the opportunity to behold the coming king. So they sacrifice their very clothing on their backs in worship and adoration. What a scene this is. Matthew continues in Matthew 21, verse 9. It says, The crowds going ahead of him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. The Holy Spirit of God enlightens the crowd in this moment that they would have a divine awareness that Psalm 118, which describes the Messiah of God, should be applied to Jesus of Nazareth in this historical moment. Once again, prophecy being fulfilled. The Gospel of Luke fills in more details of how the crowd is responding in Luke chapter 19, 37 through 38. It says, As soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles that they had seen, shouting, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. 
In this moment, the crowd is overwhelmed by all the miracles that they have seen. They're overwhelmed by all the things that Jesus has taught them, all the things that he has preached. Maybe some in the crowd had a friend who was blind but could now see because of Jesus. Or maybe they had a friend who was lame who could now walk because of Jesus. Or maybe they had even met Lazarus who was dead but is now alive because of Jesus. They're overwhelmed. And Luke records that they proclaim Psalm 118, attributing the glory of God as the reason for the coming king. Mark adds more detail here in 11, 9 through 10. It says, those who went in front and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Now if you stop for a moment and think about what is actually happening in this scene, it's a little bit ironic because the crowd is stirred to excitement and they're praising the coming of the messianic king and they're attributing glory to God in the highest heavens. Yet here is Jesus, humble, lowly. He's riding a work animal a beast of burden into town. There were no chariots. There were no warriors on horseback. His troops were not marching before him. The spoils and the treasures of conquering other kingdoms in war did not precede him as he went in. There was nothing that looked like a conquering king coming in victorious with a celebratory parade. Here Jesus is. He's on the colt of a donkey. Sitting on coats. The donkey's walking on coats and, and branches from trees coming into town. It makes sense that it could have been easily misunderstood, which is why Matthew gives the detail in chapter 21, verse 10, that when he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, who is this? And the crowds were saying, well, this is the prophet, Jesus, from Nazareth in Galilee. Who is this? Why is he riding on a donkey's colt? Why are the people taking their coats off and covering the ground with them? What kind of odd presentation is this? Matthew continues a little later in the chapter to describe Jesus as he enters the temple in verse 14. It says, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he had done and the children who were shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they became indignant. They were angry and they said to him, do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read? Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise for yourself. Jesus comes into the temple after the triumphal entry and he's healing those who were afflicted. The children are shouting praises to Jesus and the religious leaders are furious. They are angry and they demand 
that Jesus stopped the people from praising him because in their mind, they think it's blasphemous. And Jesus responds by quoting another Old Testament text in Psalm 8, verse 2. Again, validating himself through the fulfilled prophecy of the Old Testament. Luke records another interesting response that Jesus gives these enraged religious leaders in Luke 19, 39 through 44. It says, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. It says, then when he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it saying, if you had known this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side, and they will level you to the ground and your children with you. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. Did you catch that? Did you hear what Jesus says here? Even if Jesus were to silence the praises of these young children and the people, the very rocks would cry out in praise to him. Even if the people decide not to praise him, Jesus will still be praised. Jesus will still be praised whether or not you choose to praise him, Jesus will still be praised. And you see the compassion that he has as he approaches a city that he sees people in it that he loves so very dearly and he recognizes that they are missing out on him. They're missing Jesus and his heart is broken. I wonder how he feels towards the names that are written on these cards. Names that maybe you have written year after year after year, hoping that this might be the time that your loved one comes to know Jesus Christ. That this would be the moment that your neighbor would come to know Jesus. That the person that you have been praying for would come to know Jesus as their Savior. May we have the joy of entering into sharing the compassion that Jesus has for people who are missing him. And as he approaches the city, he is weeping because he knows they're about to miss the fact that their king is coming straight to them. Behold, your king is coming to you. Do not miss the visitation of your coming king. Now we have opportunity as we've looked at the text to interrogate the text, to ask some questions about it. And I would submit that every one of us, that we can behold Jesus as king by answering three questions about this moment, this triumphal entry. And the questions are very straightforward and you may see that they are simple, and I would agree they're simple, but they're very profound if they're applied to your life. The question number one is this, from where 
did Jesus come? From where did Jesus come? Yes, I recognize along with you that the text is clear that Jesus came from outside Jerusalem as he approached Jerusalem. But think big picture here. From where did Jesus come? See, because Jesus said this in John chapter 6, verse 38, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus came from heaven for the purpose of doing the will of God the Father. Thus, when we see the triumphal entry, we must view it in that lens. The triumphal entry is thus to be understood as the will of God triumphantly entering into the human scene through Jesus Christ, who is the coming king. And Jesus Christ would accomplish his mission from heaven to planet earth to become the savior of the world, to become your savior. It's what he wants to be. He wants to be your savior. And this brings us to our next question, question number two. In what manner did Jesus come? In what manner did Jesus come? The choice to ride on a colt, the beast of burden, a work animal, gives us clues in the text, the manner in which Jesus approached Jerusalem in the triumphal entry is the same manner in which Jesus approached his entire mission to planet Earth. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, the Son of Man, Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man. It was his favorite way to refer to himself in speaking. And he says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus came as a servant who was willing to give up his very life in service that he might become the acceptable sacrifice for the sins of the entire world, for your sins, for my sin. Jesus exchanged his life so that all those who would believe in him might gain life for themselves through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. This leads us to our final question, question number three. Where was Jesus going? Where was Jesus going? Well, Jesus saw far beyond the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He saw far beyond the final week of his ministry of, of preaching and teaching and performing miracles. He saw far beyond the Last Supper with his disciples, which would be Thursday. Jesus saw far beyond the betrayal, the arrest, the trial, the torture, the crucifixion. That would be Friday. Jesus saw far beyond his death, burial, resurrection that would lead us to Sunday. Jesus saw far beyond his appearance to over 500 people after he had been raised from the dead. Jesus saw far beyond his ascension back to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father God in glory. Listen to where Jesus says that he is going. In John chapter 14, verses one through three, we looked at this over the last few weeks together with Pastor Rick. Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. 
Jesus was going to prepare a place for you. It was all for you. And Jesus says that if he was going to prepare a place for you, that he would surely come back again to receive you to himself, that where Jesus is, at the right hand of the Father God, in glory, in heaven, that you, that you, that you might be with him also, with Jesus forever in heaven. I want to invite the musicians to come at this time. They're going to prepare to lead us in a song that focuses on how Jesus Christ purposefully went to the cross to prepare a way for you. And as they come and prepare, I have three questions I want to ask of you. I simply ask the similar questions to what we just looked at. Question number one is, where did you come from? Where did you come from? Do you recognize that you were made by God, that he created you, that you were made in the image of God? Do you recognize that you have a history of sin, that you haven't lived, per- you haven't lived perfectly? You've made mistakes. I know I have. I've I got a lot of sin. I haven't done it all right. I've done a lot wrong. Do you recognize that you have need for a savior from your sin? Do you recognize that you can't take care of your sin problem on your own? And that you need a savior to fix that problem for you? Which leads us to our second question, which is how has Jesus entered into your own life? How has Jesus entered into your own life? Do you see that he humbly approaches you? Do you see that he gently approaches you? Do you see that he has prepared sacrificially as a servant that he might serve you? Do you see that he is the king that wants to come into your life and have you welcomed him triumphantly into your own life? Have you begun to praise him as Lord, as God, as Savior of your life? Have you chosen to behold the coming King who has come to you? Which leads us to the third question. Where are you going? Where are you going? After you take your final breath on planet Earth, Do you have the security of knowing that you will be with Jesus in heaven forever? Have you placed your full faith and your trust and your hope in Jesus Christ as your Savior? That you might know that he is the Savior of your sin and that you have been redeemed from sin and death into life eternal with God? Do you see your future as secure with Jesus in heaven? Today is a great day to be certain of that. Today is a great day for you to come to grips with your eternity that you would know with with certainty that you will spend eternity with Jesus in heaven 
because you've placed your full faith in him. And we would love to have that conversation with you today. We would love to talk with you about Jesus, to pray with you, to talk with you about Jesus and your eternity. In fact, in just a moment, as you musicians lead, I'm gonna go stand right in front of those doors, the altar room right there. We're gonna open up those doors, and I would love for you, even during the song, to come, and let's have a conversation. Our elders and our pastors, our directors, their spouses, they'll be here. We'll be ready to talk with you and pray with you because the most important thing you have going on right now is making sure that you are right with God because you've placed your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ and him alone for your salvation. In the venue, Pastor Scott will be there as well at the altar room, and he welcomes you to come and to talk with him. For those who are watching online, Pastor Eric is online right now live, and he wants to dialogue with you even right now over the internet that you might right now not wait any longer, but you would make the decision to place your faith in Jesus Christ and you would take care of that business today. What an opportunity that you have. What an opportunity that you have because Christ has come to you and he wants to be your king and he's inviting you to no longer trust in yourself, to no longer place your hope in you, but that you would place your hope in Jesus Christ who is the coming king. Behold, your king is coming to you. Let's stand together and as we pray, and then we will have a song, and I encourage anyone who wants to talk and pray, come down right now. I'll be right down here. I'd love to talk and pray with you along with our team. Father God, Lord, we love you. We're so grateful, Father God, that in your wisdom and in your genius, you designed a plan for your son that he would come and he would be our king that he would be the suffering servant to pay for our sin, to pay for my sin, to pay for the sin of the world. And God, I don't know what the spiritual battle is that is going on right now in the hearts and in the minds of the people who are here today, but God, I pray that you would draw people to yourself. Lord, would the Holy Spirit of God right now draw people to you and that people would come to faith. And people would place their faith in Jesus Christ. And God, you're the only one who does that work. And so we trust you for that. We trust that you will work as you see fit for your glory. And Lord, may this be a time of great encouragement. As those of us who have faith are encouraged and strengthened in our faith. And those who maybe today, they will come to faith in you. And so Lord, may, may they have courage and bravery and come from their seat and walk down. And let us pray together. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's family said, amen. amen.